This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Prop. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Friday, June 30th, 2023. And the word is prop. We have a lot to get to. Today is last show of the week, last day of the month of June. Halfway through three months done with the baseball season. And coincidentally, January, February, March, April, May, June. Halfway done with 2023. The reason we're talking about prop is propositions not anything related to politics. We're talking gambling to lead off the show. I can't get enough of this topic because it's as though we see the end of the cliff. We're driving toward it and we're looking at each other and saying, I don't want to grab your hand. I don't want to keep going, but yet I'm not sure my brakes are working. And therefore, Am I supposed to take cover? Do I make sure the airbags are working? Sports and gambling. Let's dip our toes in. We dipped. Let's figure out the rules after we take the money. That's what the leagues are doing. Segment after segment on players being told what the rules are, not following the rules, being punished. Not a lot of information what players are doing, but it's not Shoeless Joe Jackson. Nobody's betting against their own team. Nobody's betting on their own team. Everything is going to be okay. We're going to enforce rules. We're working hard with companies who know when players are have their location and they're at a practice facility on a team plane, anywhere where the team is in a team hotel. If you bet on anything, there, you're in trouble. If you want to go get a cup of coffee at Mickey D's to place your bets, go do it. But don't bet on NFL. As Coke and I are preparing for this show today, because the NFL made an announcement yesterday that is not getting enough attention because people don't want to hear it. You're going to hear it. Isaiah Rogers is a, a whatever player. To be in the NFL... You got to be something. He's not a star by any stretch. A cornerback for a team called the Indianapolis Colts. 
The end of the story is he's released. The beginning of the story is he was suspended for the entire year. In a move announced by the NFL yesterday, when they announced a list of players, none of whom are as famous as the Lions guy who got six games, Jamison Williams, but they're players. It would be like a utility infielder in Major League Baseball, a backup special teams guy in football, a five de- a five defensive back set, the fifth defensive back, a triple-A pitcher who gets a few starts in baseball, a bench guy in basketball, two-way contract guy. We're not talking Tom Brady, but... They announced what he did. A proposition bet in football or in any sport is a type of side wager. When we do our picks of the day, we say this team over this team, giving five points, getting five points, laying 110 to win 100, meaning there's a 10% juice. That's betting on the game. A prop bet is a type of side wager on parts of a game that likely have nothing to do with the final outcome or that may have nothing to do with the final outcome. So when we do our Super Bowl prop bets, the coin flip, probably not going to impact the game, the length of the national anthem, total receiving yards plus rushing yards for John Cocktoston, 169. Does that impact the game if he does or does not get those yards? What type of information would you like to know if you're making a prop bet on a running back getting 60 yards in a game? What is the one thing you'd like to know? No. Whether the defense is good? No. Whether there's a good offensive lineman for that team that he's on? Hell no. There's only one thing that you want to know. Does the game plan have him getting carries? The NFL, there's something called the game plan. Wouldn't it be amazing if you bet a game in baseball and the game was a Mets-Yankees game and the starting pitchers were Scherzer against Cole and you had a prop bet that Max Scherzer would get under three strikeouts. It's a slam dunk. Justin Verlander starting, not Max Scherzer. What if you knew that the game plan was for Scherzer to pitch the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth inning? How would you feel about your prop bet? In football... What if you knew that a running back was going to get a total of three carries and that was it? How would you feel about taking the under 55 yards? Way better. If the game plan had him getting 20 carries, I'd feel better about taking the over. When a teammate is betting on another teammate in a prop bet, how close are we to the cliff of betting on your team and then the bottom of the cliff when your car is in shatters, the league being the car in this case, when you're betting against your team's outcome. 
Can you not see it from here? It can't be just me. The NFL blew through this. Like blowing through a stop sign in the middle of an F1 road race. I'm not even going to look at it. Doesn't even matter. This is a problem. So I have a solution. I don't want to be the one who just gives problems without solutions. Coca had a great one. It's really his solution. Pre-game, pre-show. Number one, NFL players can bet on any sport from wherever they are at any time. You want to bet basketball, baseball, ponies, golf, have at it. Here's the rule of gambling. You may not gamble on anything NFL from wherever you are. No exceptions. And if you're caught, you are suspended for life. You may apply for reinstatement after one year. We will put an appellate process, an appeal process in place. If you choose to fight it, we've got your location service. If you're so dumb that you don't get someone else to place the bet for you, because we're still going to look for that trail of money. But if you place it on your own phone with your own account, where we've got people monitoring what you do, because we can monitor what everyone does. You think you're sitting in your closet betting Sunday games and your family can't find out? Believe me, they can. That's the one rule. Period. You don't need a memo. You don't need an index, a glossary of terms to explain it to players. You can put it in 18 different languages from English to French to Spanish to Japanese. Pick a language. We'll Google translate it to all the Slavic languages too. Do not bet on the NFL. I don't want the competitive integrity of any sport to ever be put into question, but I want the gambling money in sports. The ability to drive revenue from gambling, it's too big an opportunity for a responsible business to let pass. I get that. It's a matter of business. However, if doing business is going to make your product into something you don't want it to be, you got to make that decision. And then you're going to lay in your bed and it's your bed. If the NFL is okay with becoming a scripted league, if the NFL is okay with becoming wrestling, that is fine. If they believe their franchise valuations are based solely on fantasy personalities, fine. I believe that the competitive nature of the games, the fact that there's a Super Bowl winner and records and achievements, outcomes that are not scripted, that's what makes the NFL and other sports what they are. We are right up against it. The prop betting by Isaiah Rogers ought to be a wake-up call, the likes of which the NFL has never been willing to look at. And they're famous for not looking at wake-up calls until long after the car is over the mountain.
See what I'm pointing at? I'm not the person with David Sampson YouTube channel. My Kepi. Yeah, the concussion protocol. Think they waited a little long on that? Isaiah Rogers is finished. Don't make prop bets. Christ's sake. Okay. Who in their right mind is trading for James Harden? Our team's lining up the Clippers, the Knicks. James Harden, if you've never heard of him, then I'm not sure what rock you're living under. He's played on three teams in two years, about to play in his fourth team in two years. James Harden, the former MVP, the king of the step-back three, the reason why rules changed about where you can kick and where you can't that's caused such chaos. Did Jimmy Butler kick? Did he not kick? you got to give a player a chance to land. You don't have a give, a give a player a chance to land. This referee says that. It's a nightmare. James Harden had a player option for this year. The assumption was that he was going to decline the player option of $35 plus million, become a free agent, and the rumor was that he was going to get way more in free agency. I sent out a tweet saying, any team who does that will rue the day. James Harden read the tweet and said, I've got a better idea. I'm going to opt in to my last year at $35.6 million, and then I'm going to demand a trade. That's the order in which you have to do it, but it doesn't really work that way. It really works that way that James Harden walks into the office of Daryl Morey. No, it doesn't work that way either. It really happens that James Harden calls Daryl Morey on the phone. No, no, it doesn't work that way either. It really happens that James Harden texts Daryl Morey and says, take the call of my agent. Agent calls up Daryl and says, my guy doesn't want to be here anymore and you don't want him here. Here's the plan. We're going to opt in and you're going to trade us and I'm going to tell you exactly where I want to be traded. Why else would James Harden give up free agency if his agents didn't tell him that from a cap standpoint and a you-can-go-where-you-want-to standpoint, you will not lose those abilities as a signed player? There is nothing more freeing than being free. The ultimate freedom is being a free agent in sports. An unrestricted free agent is what James Harden could have been if he had not picked up his $35 million player option. My theory has been that players do not pick up their player options if they believe they can get one more dollar from another team. Even if it's fewer dollars per year, if you go from one year at 35 to two years at 60, you've done well. James Harden, for whatever reason that is beyond me, has a belief that not only will he play this year at 35-6, but then after the year, he's going to get another deal, which would have been more than the two years 60. People are reporting left and right about all the different mechanisms that went on here. The Athletic has something that Harden was upset with the Sixers about his free agency, like they didn't treat him well enough. It's absolute poppycock. That's not what goes into the equation when a player decides what the player wants to do and how the player gets it done. You didn't make a video. You didn't make me feel loved. You didn't call me the minute free agency started, which happens to be when, Coca, today? What time? Is it like midnight, 8 p.m.? We're going to get all sorts of signs today in the NBA for deals that are funny. 
oh, it just started. 6 p.m. is when it starts. We'll get a ton of announcements at 6.02. Wow, that was the fastest negotiation ever. I had no idea. I wasn't even talking to Westbrook. And then, boom, 6.02, he signs. He won't be an example, but someone will. That was last year, Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. What a whirlwind. Way to go, New York. You nailed it. No one had any idea he was going to the Knicks. Harden saying, according to sources close to him, that he's unhappy with the Sixers and free agency is Harden saying that the Sixers were being smart and have lived with him like the other teams he's been on and realized that he's no longer worth the money or the headache. Then the rumor came out, he wasn't happy with Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers wasn't happy with him. The Sixers fired Doc Rivers. That is an indication that they're going team Harden. They're going to run it back. And that Harden was intrigued, quote unquote, with the hiring of Nick Nurse. It's all just words on paper to get clicks, to get people talking to social media for buzz. It's not real. Players don't actually tell their agents, I am intrigued by this coach. Let's sign with this team. It's completely ridiculous. The Sixers are sitting there trying to figure out what they're going to do with Harden, where they're going to trade him, whether they're going to do for Harden what Harden wants. What I can't figure out is how the Sixers are trying to get better than the Heat or the Celtics or the Bucks. what their plan is. Josh Harris is going to be very distracted between the commanders and all the other sports things that he does. Who's focusing on the Sixers? Does Daryl Morey have the con? And if he does, the com? Sorry, Coca. Does he have the com? Daryl's a great executive. But he's coming out and saying things like, I'm not discussing free agency with Harden before it's permitted by the league because we got in trouble for the P.J. Tucker situation. This isn't real, folks. Daryl Morey, it's his own player. You absolutely talk to your own player and the NBA is not going to get you in trouble for that. Why use tampering rules if you're an executive with the Sixers? Why try to come out of this looking good the best way to do it is to say nothing. James Harden is making you look good. The Philadelphia 76ers can move on from James Harden, get a few second round picks, get a warm body, and not be the worst for wear. Because anywhere that Harden goes, that team's got a problem. Rumors that he wants to go to LA. All right, how would that look? put him together with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Between the three of them, hard to have a healthy season, hard to be effective. Maybe they re-sign Westbrook, and then you're guaranteed Westbrook and Harden. Let's reunite, and it feels so good. Let's go old school OKC. Completely crazy. So I'm going to give you two way to seize on this. Number one, James Harden will get traded to the Clippers. That is a way to see. The Knicks, as bumbling as they are, they know getting James Harden would be a mistake. James Harden's a good assist guy. They've got Brunson. You don't want Harden on that team. 
Second way to see Coca, book it. We're doing a double where we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. Is that wherever Harden goes, and this covers me, yes, I'm being clever. One is he goes to the Clippers. Two is wherever he goes, that team will not be a top four seed in the West. So am I taking the chance that he's not being traded to the Denver Nuggets? Yes, I am. Am I taking a chance he's not being traded to the Phoenix Suns? Yes, I am. Am I taking a chance he's not being traded to the Grizzlies? Yes, I am. The teams where Harden goes, anywhere. Bucks, no. Celtics, nah. Heat, better not. Pat Riley's way too smart. So the, making the way to see is easy. Harden's team will not get one of the top four seeds. Why are teams jumping all over themselves to bring in this name? I don't follow it. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to review a movie that I was asked to watch. And then we're going to talk about the all-star starters that were announced. Some very interesting things are going on in baseball that are making executives, GMs, presidents take a look at what they're doing and wonder whether they're super, super bad at their job. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson coming to you every day. We are live, 8 a.m., Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. We will be doing a show Monday, live at 8 a.m., July 3rd. No show Tuesday, but we'll be back on Monday. I watch a movie every day, and I love the suggestions I'm getting at Twitter, at David P. Sampson, uh, Instagram, David P. Sampson, wherever you can find me. Give me more because I do watch a movie every day. Minimum of watching a bunch of TV shows, one of which ends Sunday. I will have a full review of The Idol next week. Just you wait. It was supposed to have ended on July 9th, and now it's ending on July 2nd, which means I'll be ready to roll for next week. I got a call from an old friend. We used to be real close was asked to watch South Beach Shark Club. South Beach Shark Club is a movie about the 80s in Miami Beach, the 70s in Miami Beach, down below Fifth Street. I lived in Florida from 2002 to 2020. Did plenty of things on South Beach. When I was in high school, which was in the 80s, I was not allowed to come to Florida for spring break, to Miami for spring break. Too dangerous. In college, I came to Fort Lauderdale one time for spring break, still not allowed to come to Miami. I was aware of crime and issues, but no idea of the background. South Beach Shark Club is a movie documentary that does two things 
that I did not expect. One, it is a very interesting look into what South Beach was before you were partying there till 7 a.m. at 11, before you were going to Nikki Beach. It used to be a place that you did not want to go for fear that you would die a bad death. High rises, no. Piers, yes. And I don't mean the South Point Pier. I'm talking about way before that, where fishermen ruled the day. Skateboarders ruled the day. And shark fishing was a thing. I will raise my hand and tell you that I never knew that shark fishing was a thing. I didn't realize that in Jaws, that the captain may have been a shark fisherman. I thought he was a totally different kind of fisherman. And he just happened to have the big yellow buoys. Apparently it's a thing. The characters in this documentary are available now for interviews. There is video, there are pictures of what life was like back in the 70s and 80s. It will fascinate you. If you're not from South Beach and have never been to South Beach and are not interested in fishing, the reason why you wanna watch this movie is because from a character standpoint, it seems scripted. It seems that there's central casting for people many of whom are missing teeth, tattooed everywhere, not that I'm against tattoos, as you know, who for a living, we think, though it's hard for me to understand where the living comes into it, because there's nothing in the documentary that gives me any indication of any sort of revenue inflow of any kind. If you catch a fish and release a fish, catch a fish and eat a fish, I never heard catching a fish and selling a fish. Heard of it. Never heard about it in this movie. No mention of what these people are doing other than they're always on the pier. They're always fishing. It's fascinating, these characters. You think about the fact that they exist and then you're made to feel like crap because one of the main themes is these people are enjoying their life better than you are. You're grinding it out, going to work, doing 10 shows a week. Are you out of your mind? I'm watching sunsets and catching fish and drinking beer. In a tank top white t-shirt. With a lot of sunspots. Am I wrong? Are they wrong? Is there a combination? We all search for the combination. I spend my life searching for the combination. And I always end up on the side of work. I love working. I love doing this with you. South Beach Shark Club. Talented director who also ended up being the producer. The talent scout. Corral the music location scout. You know, you've got a low budget documentary when the same name appears in every single closing card. Robert Ramos, congratulations. You put together quite a movie. South Beach Shark Club, you can get it on Amazon, $4.99. It is worth $5 to get a peek into a part of this country where you believe it's something and you don't remember that it used to be something else.
ESPN is a good partner of Major League Baseball. They want to put a lot of assets behind the draft now that's coming up. The amateur draft where no one gives a crap about it because no one's heard of any of the players. And when you do draft a player, they're not on your team for years. So what's the difference? I think ESPN should do a show where they get behind the double A and triple A team of a, of a major league team. Let's do a show where once a year we get all the analysts together and we go through the top five guys who are about to be called up. Let's teach people about Corbin Carroll. Let's teach people about John Young. Let's teach people about Ellie De La Cruz. Let's teach people about rookies who are about to be big leaguers as opposed to so desperately wanting to be like the NBA and the NFL and make your draft a thing. I was a part of it. I always wanted our draft to be a thing because we were just jealous of all the other leagues and their drafts. But we're missing the greatest component. The people being drafted and the impact they have on the teams that draft them. Do you think the Pittsburgh Pirates have the first pick? That they're going to bring 30,000 people to PNC Park. They're going to go on the Jumbotron. They're going to be cheering and booing and screaming and betting. The number one pick gets announced and people are like, yeah, oh, they're going to be like, all right, great. Next. What about if you had a show where you had 30,000 people at the Great American Ballpark and they're bringing up De La Cruz to hug Rob Manford because he's going to get a call up and help your team immediately and then be electric. Who cares if he's drafted first? He was an eighth round pick, a 20th round pick, an international sign five years ago. He's about to help your team now. How about if ESPN puts assets behind that, money behind that? I would love it. So that was the article that came out, the announcement that everyone was so excited within MLB that ESPN is going to be putting its might behind the draft. They put its my behind the announcement last night of the all-star starters. They had an hour of live programming, which was more like 46 minutes. They announced the starters trying to keep you all engaged as fans vote for all-star starters. Then we're going to get finalists and you have to vote again, which means if you want your favorite player to start, you got to vote twice. What happened to the good old days of us hiring people at pro player or Marlins park to stuff ballots. Those were the days. Limit 15 per account on your email. All right, we'll come up with a thousand emails, 10,000 emails, a million emails. I used to love having Marlon start in the All-Star game. It's an honor. It builds your brand. It feels great for your fans to turn on an All-Star game. And there's your guy. It was so important to have someone starting in the All-Star game in which you host. You got to do that. The total number of Seattle Mariners starting in Seattle. The All-Star game is in Seattle. Zero. There will be a Mariner on the All-Star team because there's one per team. So they'll be announced. Every team gets one All-Star. They'll be on the line. 
I think fans of a city that are hosting an all-star game, one of the things when you're bidding for an all-star game, because teams have to bid for an all-star game and they get together with their chambers of commerce and their hotel association, they're figuring out where the parties are, where the teams are going to stay. It's a logistic thing that's insane. When you host an all-star game, we could do a mailbag just about what it is to apply to host an all-star game and then what it is to actually host a fan fest, a derby, an all-star game and why you need such advanced notice because it's a logistical, crazy nightmare. I think one of the parts of the bid should be <laughs> one of our players will start. I promise you. Well, the Mariners got nothing. Wouldn't it have been better if this all-star game were being held in Texas. Texas has four all-star starters. The Texas Rangers, they hadn't had one since 2012. They went from zero in a decade to four in one game. That's half the starters are from Texas. Well, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Four of nine. I forgot, Otani's the DH. Four of eight position player starters are Texas Rangers. It's pretty amazing, actually. The Marlins did get their starter as he deserved to be. Arias will start at second base. The Marlins and the Diamondbacks, two very, very surprising teams. Diamondbacks got a starter. The aforementioned Corbin Carroll, the rookie. First game ever where both teams will have a starting rookie. Crazy, crazy. Braves and Dodgers, unstoppable in terms of voting, popularity, and accomplishment on the field if you're the Braves. They make up a bunch of the National League team. But I wasn't focused on the names. I mean, I could go through the entire Sean Murphy is starting catcher. You really want me to go through this? I don't want to. Arcia starting shortstop instead of Lindor. Let's talk about the Yankees got Aaron Judge. The Mets got nobody. The Padres got nobody. The Phillies got nobody. And there are your top four payrolls. Nobody. You don't have one player good enough or popular enough to start in the All-Star game, except Aaron Judge. That's it. Owners, look at this. Focus on this. Presidents, GMs don't. Presidents do. Trying to figure out what it is that we're doing wrong. That we cannot correlate spending money to winning and that other teams can actually correlate not spending money to winning. And the ability to have players who are popular. Yandy Diaz from Tampa. They don't have good attendance at all. He's starting in first base. Arazarena, Tampa has two starters. Is that because fans around the country are seeing more games? or they're looking at the standings, or they remember from the playoffs. To me, when you are looking at the makeup of an all-star team, it's not about who's there. It's much more about who's not there. When you're giving out 10-year, $300 million deals, what you need to be buying with these players is not just their ability on the field, it's their might off the field. There is no other way to justify these contracts. Forget the fact that the teams aren't winning and therefore you're despondent because a year passes, you pay them the money and you don't get postseason revenue, you don't get a chance to win a ring. 
But if you're not being voted on, if you're not an all-star, and I don't mean the talent type of all-star, I mean the popularity type of all-star, then that means that that's yet another side that you can't capitalize on. Teams are looking at that. Make no mistake. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Astros over the Cardinals. If you were listening to the Thursday Thunder on Lempitard yesterday, that three-way parlay hit my part and Mike Ryan's two parts. It hit. We had the Astros over the Cardinals. I think they won by a touchdown. I got two picks for you. We are 101 and 99. I have two picks for you now. One, tonight, Padres over Reds. Let me explain why. The Padres have lost four or five in a row, falling out of the playoff race. We are now approaching the end of June, all-star break coming up, trade deadline coming up. If the Padres have any chance of surviving their dysfunction at all, which I would say they don't, but the players have to get the feeling that, hey, I don't want to play meaningless games for three months. This is a series You've got to beat the Reds. While the Reds are a surprise and a great team, doing great, the Padres have this game. Saturday, we have a big series. People down here in Miami are calling it the clash of the NL East Titans. Second place Marlins, first place Braves. Already with the caveat, not a big deal. Marlins have the lead in the wild card. Tough part of their schedule. Don't need to win the series after having swept the Red Sox, on this six-game trip. The way it works in our mind is when we go on a six-game road trip and we're hot and we're going to Fenway and Atlanta, get home three and three. Get home no worse off than when you left. Once you've won the first three games, even grabbing one game in Atlanta, losing the series but grabbing one game, you're coming home four and two. You get swept by Atlanta, you're still coming home three and three. Now you've lost three games to Atlanta, but the Marlins aren't going for the division. No matter what they say. If you are the Braves, you just want to get rid of the Marlins. Just stop even giving them a kernel of a possibility. This is an opportunity. Take games from them. Charlie Morton is going against Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez, for my money, when the all-star teams are announced, he better be an all-star. He's that good. But we're taking Charlie Morton and the Braves over Perez and the Marlins. Okay. Coke, I want to go. I want to go to eight, if you don't mind. There is something going on yesterday that's getting a lot of attention outside of the sports world. And I just wanted to, don't fast forward. We are five or six or seven minutes away from the end of the week. The Supreme Court came out with a decision regarding affirmative action yesterday. And it's getting a lot of attention. And I want to explain it because I think there is a big misunderstanding. In a 6-3 ruling, there are nine members of the Supreme Court. Remember, the Supreme Court is now run by the conservative side. Conservatives, and you don't know where I am on this issue yet. 
Conservatives came out six to three, rejecting affirmative action. That's the messaging. Affirmative action, done. Here's the fact. A group of Asians sued Harvard and University of North Carolina saying we are being discriminated against. The result of the case is that minorities of all, especially blacks, are saying this is outrageous. We are no longer going to have the opportunity to get into schools that we have had the opportunity to get into. Let me try to put everyone at ease, please. Using race as the sole basis of acceptance into anything, any job, any school, using that as your sole factor is discrimination that violates the 14th Amendment. That is a true statement. You may not discriminate based on race. Because discrimination has happened, and it does, and it continues, and it sickens me. I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. I don't care about race. I care about result. It never occurred to me what the color was for an employee or a player. Can you do your job better than the next person? That's it. I need someone to do their job. There are people who believe they cannot get into schools without the benefit of affirmative action. There are people who believe they cannot get jobs without the benefit of affirmative action. Forget breaking the tie. If you are black, you get a job. If you are Latin, you get a job. If you are white, you don't get a job. There were centuries where the only way to get a job was to be white. I'm understanding of everything. I can't empathize because I don't know what it was to be that. I don't know what it is to be anything other than who I am. What I do know is how schools work. And I do know how admissions works. This result today that was announced yesterday will have zero impact because admissions offices from Harvard to Yale to all the other schools where you want the opportunity to be represented and they want the most diverse student body possible. If you think as an Asian or white that you're now gonna get into Yale over a person of color because of this decision, surprise, not the case. The Supreme Court ruling gave the roadmap that the admissions offices are going to use to continue to put together the type of class they want to put together, which should be their right to put together. A class of people that show the diversity of the world. When you go to a school like that, you want to be surrounded by the best and the brightest from everywhere. You want to give opportunities to people who never had them before. First generation college students. The way to make the world better is to make opportunities better for everyone across all industries, across all skill sets, across all educational institutions. The ruling that was made is not prohibiting mentioning race in your application. For those of you who are saying, that's it, 
No one will ever know if I'm black, brown, white. No one will know. Not true. In your application, you will still say what your race is. You will still write essays that can talk about what your race is and what you did to overcome obstacles. What the Supreme Court is saying, they can't just look at the color bar and then accept or reject based on that. They've never done that. News alert. The dissenting opinion by very, very respected justices in my mind, Sotomayor is someone who I've known and who I respect, had the honor of watching games with her. Very, very concerned. Today, this court stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. I don't agree. And the reason I don't agree is that people who want to do the right thing will keep doing the right thing. People who want to do the wrong thing will keep doing the wrong thing. Now, we are going to be opened up to litany of lawsuits. Opportunities for people to say, I did or did not get something because of race. What about the corporations where you work? Have you noticed that they all have diversity and inclusion um, departments? The impact of this ruling, those departments may go away. Have you ever applied for a job and been told, no, you're the wrong color? Yeah, unfortunately, that's what happens. That's illegal. That's always been illegal. That is discrimination. No matter what color you are, If you are not being hired because you're white and they want and that company wants to fill that role with someone who's diverse, that's illegal. If you are hired because you're white and they don't want to hire someone who's brown, that's illegal. That is still the case. Companies who want to be racist are still going to be racist. Companies who want to be diverse are still going to be diverse. So before everybody panics, about what is going to happen with this Supreme Court decision, it will not impact the hearts of people and the desires for people which to do what they always should have done, which is to make hires based on who is the best candidate to help our business, who is the best candidate to help our school's community, who is the best candidate It doesn't take a Supreme Court vote for you to know that doing the right thing is what matters most. Have a great weekend. I appreciate all of the hours that you gave me this weekend as being on Levitard and doing nothing personal. Coca, we did extra episodes that you're going to hear when I'm away at the end of July. Thank you for all of your time. I don't take it for granted. We will be back on Monday live at 8 a.m., It's just business. This is nothing personal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.